0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. And what are we saying? We're saying that you matter to God, but we're saying everybody on this planet matters to God. One famous missionary once asked the question, Is it fair for any man to hear the gospel twice until every man's heard the gospel once? Think how many times we've heard the gospel. Think how many times you heard it before you accepted it. I don't know about you, maybe somewhat like me. I grew up in church, and I heard it again and again and again. But I rejected it again and again and again until I finally reached the place in college where I ran to the end of myself, and I recognized, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing what I said I would do when I got away from my home and my parents and my family, my little city, my little church. And the longer I ran in that direction, the more empty my heart became. And the longer I was my boss, and the longer I was in charge, and the longer I called the shots, and the longer I tried to find fulfillment, the emptier I became. And thank God His mercy never left me. How many are thankful His mercy never left you? How many are thankful when you were running from God, He was running to you? And so we have an incredible, incredible opportunity. Kingdom builders. That's what we're here to talk about. Now, I I, I so appreciate our youth. I appreciate their heart and their passion. Don't you love it when the young people get right up in your business? Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth, don't you love it when they get right up in your business? I love it. What a message, I'm so thankful. I want to say this to us today, before we go any further. I want you to recognize this more than ever, more than ever, what we're doing here today really matters. Did you hear me? What we're doing here today really matters. I was listening to, to that message and, and, and hearing that human video, watching it, hearing it. And I realized, I'm so thankful. Man, we're so far from perfect, but we, we aren't retreating at Calvary. We're advancing at Calvary. I'm so thankful for that. That's what we're talking about right now. You know, for 30 years, over 30 years, we've been in the government housing projects, feeding, blessing, telling, busing, bringing, reaching, giving, doing everything we could do. I'll never forget one day I was walking by and a little lady pulled on my sleeve. She said, Pastor Sawyer, I just want to say thank you. She said, you fed me and my family for three generations. I don't know what we would have done without your help. And you know what I said to that? Thank God because it took us to make that happen. We're there on the front lines. We're sending our missionaries. You're going to see that list today. It's stunning what happens when God's people say, hey, let's just do this thing. And we're not just sending money. We're going ourselves. Amen. We're going, we're building, we're reaching. We're And we're not just going around the world and across the ocean. I want you to hear this. We're going around the corner and across the street. Missions is right where we are. America has become a mission field. When Phyllis and I uh, were ready to go into ministry and graduated from Bible college, I remember I've only had two positions. Uh, I was a youth pastor at a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then we came here and planted Calvary. And so uh, I remember on my interview for that youth pastor position, and a pastor looked at me and he said, where do you think you'll be in five years? Well, I was intelligent enough to know what the right answer was. You're supposed to say, Pastor, I'm going to be right here. Five years from now, this is where I'm going to be. But that wasn't in my heart. So I had to tell him the truth, not the right answer for the you know, uh, interview. So he said, where do you think you'll be in five years? And Phyllis and I said, we believe we'll be on a mission field somewhere in a foreign country. And that's what our passion was. And, and I've always said I volunteered. God just didn't take me up on it. And for a while it took me a little bit to get this thing figured out. Because I knew he called me here. I knew he called us to plant this church. I knew it was the will of God. And one day I was reading through. And, I, and, it, and, and I'll and never forget this. Many years ago. It says this is the day for the missionary pastor. To begin to understand that we're not here just to take care of the saints. Manage the house. Be a club. We're here to reach North Alabama. We're here to, to live and believe, breathe and build a church like we're in a mission field. And that's what we've always tried to do. And God's always honored that. I've told you many times we, we need to be refreshed. In those early weeks when I, we started this church, in that little storefront building where I was praying and walking and praying, and uh, I'll never forget God told me something. He said, if you'll always take care of people that no one else cares about, I'll always take care of you. He's always done that, hasn't he? He's always taken care of us. And so when we talk about kingdom builders, we're not ta- it's the very opposite of what we think building a kingdom on this earth is. We're not building our kingdoms, right? We're building his kingdom. We're going to see that phrase in a moment. But I want to say again, what we're doing here today is important. What we do every Sunday is important. It becomes more important than it's ever been. And I want to thank you and salute you for being here. If you couldn't make it physically, you're online. I want to thank you for joining us on our online campus. You see, what we're doing, every time we gather, it's a visible statement. It's a declaration to our culture. Our culture screams at us that Jesus is now irrelevant. Our culture screams at us that the Bible is not true. Our culture screams at us that you can't live a life according to the Word of God. But every time you walk in that door, Every time we gather in worship, we have a living, breathing, touchable, relatable testimony that says Jesus is real. The word does work. There is a community of faith. Come on, how many hear what I'm saying? We are part of a family of believers. We are red and yellow, black and white. We are every generation. And this is a statement that something is bigger and greater than our man-made kingdoms. It's the kingdom of God, and everybody has a place to belong in it. That's why we take some time to think about what God is doing and his heart. Let's let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. I've read it every week. I'm going to read it one more time next week. I want this to get into your spirit and into your heart. Matthew chapter 6, and I want to go to read verses 9 and 10. The setting, pardon me, is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, theologians and historians say it's the greatest sermon ever preached. It was the longest sermon Jesus ever preached that was recorded. And they're on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is, 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 uh, teaching and he is, he is showing them how to live out his kingdom on earth. And he says, if you're going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, how many want to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? Okay, let me ask you again. How many want to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? Here's the most important question. How many of you believe that can happen? That God's will in heaven can become his will on earth? Well, that begins with prayer. How many heard what I've said? I don't think we care enough until we pray. We can say we care about lost people, but you don't care about lost people if you're not praying about lost people. I want to ask you the question I asked two weeks ago. If this morning, today, at this moment, God answered every prayer you were praying. If at this moment God answered every prayer you prayed this week, would it change your world or would it change the world? I want to ask you that again. Again, how do we pray? Do we pray big enough? Do we pray like Jesus said we should pray? For most of us, prayer is just, God, give me. For most of us, prayer is just, God, get me through the night. For most of us, prayer is, God, I need some help. But there is a position of prayer God gave his church. I want you to listen to me. That's not just, God, get me through. We have been given an authority, an anointing, a dynamic to pray the will of God in heaven become the reality on this earth. Our prayers can change things. Our prayers can change what's going on around us, change our family. So Jesus said this, verse 9, Matthew 6, this then is how you should pray. Remember, he didn't just say this is what you should pray. We are so formula-focused. How many heard me? We are so formula-focused. Give me three steps to this, five steps to that, two steps to that, ten chapters on prayer. That's not how you build a relationship. You build a relationship hanging out together. You, I promise you, if you're married, you didn't get your spouse by saying, okay, let's sit down tonight on our date. And we're going to take five steps to developing our relationship. They probably looked at you like you fell off something somewhere. In fact, if you're practicing that, stop it. That's why you're still single right now. You know how I got to know Phyllis? I, I talked with her. I paid attention to her, I noticed her, I listened to her, I discovered what was important to her, and it became important to me. I wanted to know what she liked, and I made sure she got what she liked. I wanted to know what was important to her, and so we began to build a relationship. He didn't just tell you what to pray. Our Father heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us a come on. Prayer is not now. Lay me down to sleep. Pray, the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wait, pray, the Lord, my soul to take. Prayer's not good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's see. Come on. Prayer. Prayer is talking. It's communicating. It's relating. How do you pray? He didn't say this is what you pray. This is how. This is the principle, not the formula. This is the heart, not the system. Are you with me? So how do you pray? You pray recognizing you have a Father in heaven. How many are deeply grateful we have a Father who loves us? Who redeemed us? So if I'm going to pray, I can't pray unless I pray like a son or a daughter. You can't pray like a beggar. That's not how the kingdom works. You can't pray like an earner. Are you with me? That's not how the kingdom works. You begin with the very place knowing I am who I am by the grace of God. I am in this position of incredible privilege, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so how I pray, I pray with the recognition that I was lost and now I'm found. I was uh, I was a, a rebel and now I'm a son or a daughter. And so how do I pray? I say, "My Father, hallowed be your name. I bless your name, oh God. He's not just my buddy, he's my God. He's not my he's not my sugar daddy. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my God. He says we're friends. We're sons. We're daughters. But he's my God. You know, my father loved me. My father was my, was my best friend, my best man at my wedding. But I loved him with all my heart. I'd do anything for my dad. But there were certain things I didn't do to him I did to my friends. How many understand what I'm talking about? You know, I, I didn't. I didn't do the the football jock stuff to my dad. I didn't walk up behind him and slap him on the rear end. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> See, I loved him, but I wasn't stupid. How many are with me? You understand? God's my friend. He's my father, but I honor him. I didn't, I, I didn't call my dad some names. I called my friends. I'm not talking about cussing, just, you know. I didn't come in and say, hey, you big knucklehead, what are you doing today? I didn't do that to him. I reverenced him, I loved him, I honored him My father, come on say my father Oh yeah, my father Hallowed be your name, blessed be your name Reverenced is your name, glorious is your name Anybody with me? My father, come on My my daddy's bigger than your daddy, come on, what are you talking about? Come on, my dad can whip your dad. Come on. That's what I tell all the devil. My dad will whip you up one side and down the other. Devil, you bother me and my family, I'm going to call my dad. I'm going to call my dad. Anybody ever said that? Somebody messaged you, I'm going to go get my dad right now. They said, well, I'm going to get mine. I said, that'd be a mistake. Because mine's coming. All right. See, we need to learn how to pray. Don't get all religious and stuffy and stinky. Pray. talking to my dad. Dad. Dad, Father, I thank you. And then he says, look at verse 10. Your kingdom come. Not mine. Your kingdom come. Isn't that amazing? And look at this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's kingdom builders. God, we believe you love everyone on this planet. How many believe that? We believe you love everyone as much as you love me. We believe that everyone is equally important on this planet. We believe you love us so much you sent your son to die on the cross for us. You really matter to God. And what we do really matters. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16. We're we're, we're understanding how we get this kingdom to earth. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. You you need to see this. There there are, are some titles, some identity that God has given you that you might not know about. What you do matters. What you do matters. 2 Corinthians 5.16. See, again, this heavenly perspective. So from now on, 2 Corinthians 5.16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Wow. Why? Because we're not building our kingdom. We're building his kingdom. What would happen in your life if you could just get that going? From now on, we regard no one, what, from a worldly point of view. That's why we forgive the jokers in our life. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. That's why we forgive the people that have despitefully used us. We bless those who despitefully use us. We pray for those who have been unkind to us. Why? Because we're weak. No, because we're strong. Why? Because we don't regard people the way you regard people in this earthly point of view. Because I can look at somebody who's hurt me and I know behind that it's a hurting person. I know somebody who tried to break me because they're broken. I know that someone that did what they did is because they don't know who I know. And because I'm not living to build my kingdom, I'm not rattled when they do what they do. If someone walks away from you that you had trusted, you're going to be okay because we don't regard them the way the earth does. I regard God as my source. And so you may lead me, but God is still for me. How do I get up when someone knocked me down because I didn't look at you as my source? I didn't look at you as somebody I had to have. If God is for me, who can be against me? From no longer do we regard one another from a worldly point of view. I'm here to serve you, not use you. Okay, so though we once regarded Christ in this way, that's how the culture regards Christ. We do so no longer. How many are thankful? We do so no longer. Now watch this, verse 17, therefore, because of Christ, if anyone is in Christ, how many in Christ folks in the house? Come on, do you really mean it? I'm going to look around. In Christ, in Christ. Okay, look at this. From therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she, well, I've got to say that carefully because of this, what's going on? I didn't mean it the way you thought of me. See, that's regarding he or she. Everybody understand? I I said that too tight together. It's hard to communicate now, isn't it? There are things I have to be careful the way I say them because anyway. Okay. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Look at that statement. The old is gone, and the new has come. I'm I'm pressing on us a little bit today. Is that okay? Listen, listen. I want to know, do you really want that? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you really want that? Yeah. A new creation? Yeah. The old is gone yeah. and the new has come. Yeah. I think the church it has become a place where we're not so hyped about the old going and the new coming. We just want some help from the God. Yeah. Come anybody with me? Yeah. Do you really want... The old to go, the new to come? Or do you just want Jesus to help you with the old to be a little better? Come on, I'm, I'm going to ask over here on this side. So do we really want to be a new creation? That sounds good. The old is gone. The new has come. We're Do we really want that? So you're, do we really want to let go of all the old stuff? Do we really want to turn that down? Or do we just want to hold on to it and God bless a little bit of it? You know, just I want to still do the stuff, but I just want to be happy doing the stuff. I mean, I want you to bless me in my stuff. I don't want you to clean my house. I just want you to bless my house. Come on, where are you with me? Do you really believe that God can make things new? Do you believe you can stop looking at everybody around you the way you did before Jesus and start looking at them in a new way? Do you believe you can live without all the stuff you thought you had to have? See, the first place you get addicted is in your mind, not in your body. We get addicted to things we think we have to have. But God says, if you really want this, I've got something. I can make it new. I can let you be set free from where you've been and be new in this life. Wow. All right, come on. Because see, that has to happen because look at verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. How many are thankful for that? That means he brought you back through Christ. But what I've been telling you, you matter. You matter. But what you do matters too. Are you with me? So thank God that we've been reconciled to Christ. But look at this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh. Now I deputized you a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm going to call you into ministry. Put your hand up. (laughs) Don't look at me that way. It's not an offering. I said just put your hand up. I now according to the Word of God, speak over you, I call you into ministry today. I declare you're a minister. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to run around and be bishop, his holiness, reverence, elder, pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet. You're a minister of reconciliation. According to the word of God, come on, put your hand up, put your hand up. I declare according to God's word, will, and anointing, you are now a minister of reconciliation. Come on, somebody say, thank God. Now shake somebody's hand and say, congratulations, you're in the ministry now. That'll change the way you live, won't it? Because you do that stuff to me all the time. Well, he can't say that. He's a minister. Well, join the party, partner. Huh? You can't say that. You're a minister. Well, welcome to the family. We're ministers of God. So if I can't, you can't. Come on, let's give. God. All right. <laughs> are you ready? If I should, you should. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I'm having more fun than you are. I can tell with this. For real, though. serious. look at this. Look at this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. The ministry of reconciliation we're in the ministry guys what are we doing with this watch that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ look at this not counting men's sins against them we're not running around counting sins we're giving reconciliation is anybody with me and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You today found out you're a minister and an ambassador. You're not just living. You matter. What you do matters. What we do. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As Look at this. As though God were making his appeal through us. Through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's our message. That's your message. That's your message. Well, what do I say in the ministry? You tell people, God did not send his son to count your sins. He sent his son to forgive your sins. Please be reconciled to God. Please come to God. Look at this. Verse 21. God made Jesus, made him Jesus, who had no sin to become, the translation best, a sin offering for us, he paid the price so that in Christ, are you ready? We might become the righteousness of God. It's absolutely stunning. The righteousness of God. God looks at you as if you've never sinned, you're clothed in righteousness. You say, Well, I'm not worthy. Jesus made you worthy. You said, I'm not able. Jesus made you able. You said, Well, I don't have enough Bible, then get in the Bible. I don't haven't prayed enough. Well, start praying some more. You're in the ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Where does an ambassador live in another country? In the what? embassy. It is the property of the nation he represents on foreign soil. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. We live on this earth on the territory that heaven has bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We reconcile lost men and women in this kingdom with the message. God is not against you. God is for you. You matter to God. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to say. I love this. Look at this verse. We hit, we hit this three or four weeks ago. But the, the, the translation, the Hebrew is so powerful. Judges 6.34. I jumped on you guys back there. Judges 6.34. Look at this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That's powerful and we like that. Do you remember Gideon? Where did we meet him? Hiding in a wine press. Fearful of his enemies. Saying, God, you've forgotten us. But what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you? Something changes in your life. But the phrase I love, I want you to hear this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It literally said, God clothed himself with Gideon. How do we do this ministry of reconciliation? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. God clothes himself with us. You're Jesus with skin on you're the power of God with skin on. God, how do I do it? It's God in you doing it. It's God working through you, walking through you, going through you. God, God, Gideon, Gideon, do what he say? I'm going to clothe myself in you. I want you to think about it. When our young men, students, men and women walk into the classroom, God has... Clothed himself with those young men and women. God walks in that room. Sir, ma'am, when you go to your place of business tomorrow and you walk in, God walks in inside of you. He clothed himself with you. It's amazing. How do we reach this world? God clothes himself with Calvary Assembly. And through this church, the body of Christ, God walks around North Alabama. It's amazing blessing. What you do matters. What you do matters. Look at Romans 10 verses 14 and 15. I want you to see this. I'm laying some foundation. Romans 10 verses 14 and 15. I'm about to show you an illustration of this. Romans 10, 14 and 15. Are you there? It's behind me. Say yes. Yeah. Okay. How then? Did you hear those numbers? A billion people never heard his name yet. How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? That's how the gospel gets out there. I can't believe in something I've never heard. I can't hear it unless you tell me. No one can tell them unless we send some to get there. What a privilege. I want to show you this video. I did it one other time. It's been a long time. It's not the best video because it's old. You're going to see. This is rare. I have never seen another video of this where it was video documented. A tribe in New Guinea heard the gospel and got it for the first time. The first time the good news ever got to this tribe. I want you to see what happens in this moment. Look at this. This, this was documented. Billy's believers stating that he too believes that Christ has paid for his sins. which means it's true or it's good. It's very true. Rejoicing that he believes, so does she. Different ones giving testimony as to their belief in Christ as their sin bearer. Mark saying that if they really are believing, then God's word says that their sin is forgiven. Ita, it's good, it's true. Spontaneous rejoicing breaks out. This went on for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Looks like somebody stormed the football field, doesn't it? The raw joy of hearing the gospel for the first time. Do you know that every time that happens, the people that sent them there are part of that incredible good news? Wouldn't you love to see what's happened to us as a nation? But I believe in America again, this nation has become so corrupt and so blinded that I believe we're going to see days like that happen in this nation again. Where somebody finally gets it, you mean I'm forgiven? Yes. You mean my sins are covered? Yes. And the celebration of the absolute joy, believing that God is going to do that. You just saw that that was the first time an entire tribe ever got that. But we're a part of that. Every time we send someone and they hear that, we're part of that. Let me ask you something today. Who was the person that influenced you to accept Jesus? Think about it. Who was it? Who witnessed to you? Who was the person that witnessed to you? Let's bring it back here to America. We saw New Guinea. Let's hear. Who was that person? How many of you it was a family member that probably first brought that? Let me see your hand high. How many of you was uh, a friend or a neighbor? Co-worker? How many was a co-worker? All right, classmate. So let me look again. How many when you came to Christ? The number one influencer was a family member. Let me see your hand. Put them up really high. Look around here. Number one. Number one happening of that is family. The reason I wanted you to raise your hands because some of you are praying for your family right now. Some of you are praying for your prodigal sons and daughters right now. Did you look around this room? Do you see who God uses? Do you know that what you do matters? Do you know that if somebody won you to Christ, God's going to use you to win somebody to Christ? Do you know that if God strategically placed somebody in your life, he's going to strategically place you in somebody's life? I want you to understand that we carry this good news. Everybody may not react like New Guinea, but people are looking and searching. And what I want you to see, I have people say to me, Pastor, I don't know what I can do for the Lord. Well, our hands just told us somebody as close as your family is your mission field. I raised hands, said there's something we can do with what's going on around us. It's, It's powerful. Do you know that God is always looking for partners? He's always looking for partners. The parable of the talents is that I'll give you two. And I'll give you one. I'll give you two. I'll give you five. And we're supposed to go take what he gave us. And let's go put that to work somewhere. Let's go bring some increase back in the kingdom. And what did he say? You did a good job with that. Here, I'm going to let you win more people to Jesus Christ. You did a good job with what we had. Let's make this happen. Guys, let, let me say this today. I want you to get this. Christian life this Christian life is not a uh, spectator sport it is not me sitting by you know we've come in our culture we are a group of people where the majority sit around and watch reality television and live vicariously through somebody else's life don't look at me funny we become so boring that we don't have a life we become so stationary we don't have a life And so the most exciting part of our life is sitting down watching somebody else live life. I can tell you the Christian life's not a theory. It's the most exciting way you'll ever live. What we do matters to God. What we do matters for eternity. What we do is the highest privilege that God can give us. Do you know what? You're the social influencers. You're the people that should be changing the world, what's going on around. I don't know how many followers you have, but I know I'm following Jesus. I know that I'm following him. People are going to follow him. How many hear what I'm saying? It's amazing. This culture that we're living in is, is voracious for information. Social media is consuming information 24 hours a day. Let's give them something that will change their lives. Let's give this hungry world, searching world, something that's going to make a difference. Let me, let's just real quickly, let me take you through what happened through the ministries of this church last year because of Kingdom Builders. I want you to see, I want you to get this. Does my life matter? Well, you've been around the world this year. Does my life matter? We've touched people you'll never see till you get to heaven. Let me just quickly try to go through this. We 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 minister to, we, we are a partner in reaching Israel. God says he'll bless those who bless them, amen? We, we, we are a part and we're in Columbia. These are, these are, uh, missionaries. John McCluey in Nepal, Jason Loper in Germany, Austin Brown in Belize, Cody Griggs in Indonesia, Chris Duncan in Spain, Steve Insminger, Fam International is Johnny Brown. We partner there. He helps, uh, mission trips get there. Project Rescue, David Grant, rescuing women and children and human trafficking all over Asia and Europe in South Africa, Charles Hasselbrink building, uh, churches for the tribal areas, pastoral development. I'll be going next month the second time back to uh, South Africa. I want you to pray for me. They only opened their churches up last month from COVID. They had opened up the casinos. They had opened up the athletic venues. They had opened up shopping. They would not let the people have church. I've always believed that COVID was used by the enemy to try to shut the doors of the church. But we're going back, and right now I can tell you there is a hunger in South Africa. I have been given the privilege. You know, it's the nation of apartheid. You know, it's one of the most radically uh, prejudiced, segregated nations on the planet. I can tell you some good news I get to go represent the gospel, I get to build connections, I get to go help develop pastors in the largest uh, black African churches in Johannesburg and South Africa. I'm going to get to go there and preach and break some barriers down, amen, and develop pastors. Venezuela, Gary Heine, Austria, Larry Henderson, Peru. Look where you've been this year. Israel, Colombia, Nepal, Germany, believe, Indonesia, Spain. Boy, your suitcase got a lot of stickers on it. Done in South Africa. Venezuela, Austria, Peru, Paraguay, Dominican Republic. You know, we're building the school. I'll show you pictures next week. Ecuador. Uh, child hope in Mexico, Santo Domingo, the church, the schools and churches we built. In Italy, life publishers sending, uh, the gospel out to closed countries over digital contact. Japan, France, Austria. We're, we're helping our missionaries when they come back off the field. We're not forgetting about them. There's a fund. Speed the light. You heard the students talk about that. That's our students giving the mission. Light for the lost. Our men giving the mission. Bethany Gateways. Carly Moore, one of our young ladies. Calcutta, India. Mission of Mercy. Soar Global. Michael French Ministries in in Russia. Convoy of Hope. We're feeding people in many places around the world as partners. Tanzania. Jeff Garrett. That's our world missions. Very quickly, U.S. Five Star Man, Eddie James, kai Alpha. Chi Alpha is our outreach on, on college campuses. Look at this. In Auburn, in Alabama, at UAH, in Colorado, these others. We are placing Bible studies and the gospel on our secular college campuses. We're partnering indigenous church development, helping build churches in Alaska and Native American Indian tribes. Children's ministry, Timothy Jones, the Los Angeles Dream Center, uh, Virgil Rodriguez building up the Hispanic Church in America. Youth Alive. This is witnessing on high school campuses. Ben, ben Russell, sports chaplain. John Williamson, Teen Challenge, which is a a Christ centered recovery ministry. Alabama Ministry Network. We help plant churches in this state. Women's Ministry in this state. The Foundry. Bill Hines, another recovery center. Well, Pastor, we have a recovery center. That's right, and we sow seed where we think. God wants us amen gateway center for ministry women of victims of domestic abuse first priority high school and well elementary through on school in our school campuses ministry city revival Robert Preston New Orleans Karen Wheat Ministries Outreach Ministry of Alabama Young Life another high school ministry radio station Christian Way FM I would say we've been busy this year how did that happen how did that happen because we gave because we said what I do matter because we believe we can make a difference. We didn't make all those happen. We partnered with others to do that. We have interns in this church. We're raising up the next generation. Jesus and his friends. That Christmas tree, we're not crazy. I know it's September. Why is a Christmas tree in a four-year? We're going to have a Jesus and his friends. We're going to have an opportunity to bring these gifts, these boys and girls. Serve the city. You know what we do there. Professional women's outreach. Decatur Dream Center. We should have the Lawrence County Dream Center on here as well. The Lawrence County Dream Center, our campus in Lawrence County, celebrating their eighth anniversary today. Come on, let's thank God for that. (laughs) Social media, look at this. I don't even know how to figure these numbers out. I just preach, and they do what they do. Social reach, 221,331 this past year. New followers in this year, 932 we've added, 25,000. Viewers. And today Pastor Josh is preaching in North Carolina. Pastor Emilio is preaching in Tennessee. We never just hold it in the house. We are ministering everywhere we get a chance. We are reaching with everything we have. We are running hard because you know what I believe? I believe the only thing there's a shortage of in reaching this world is time. Time. That's the only thing we're running out of. I believe God's got the people. I believe God's got the finances. I believe God has the resources. I believe God's going to do it. That's what we do in Kingdom Builders. And next week, I'm going to give us an opportunity to come and just say, Pastor, I'm praying this is what I believe God wants me to do for this next year. Find this card. I want everybody to pull that card out in front of you. I'm not going to ask you to fill it out now. I want you just to take it in your hand. I want you to take this home with you. I want you to go home. This is going to be your prayer reminder this week. Would you get it out? It looks just like this. If you're on the front row, somebody will hand you one. Pastor, what happens? What happens? You know, this, this is what I know. It's become... An absolute miracle. The testimonies of people saying, what do you want me to do, God? A lot of people have never asked God that question. A lot of people have prayed and said, God, what do you want me to do? That's what I want you to do this week. So we don't do this guilt and stuff. We show you what God's done. <clears throat> and I believe he wants to How many believe he wants to do it again this year? How many believe all those people are waiting on us to say, yes, we're going to come? See? So I want you to take this home with you. And next week we're going to have a time in our service where, where it's, it's very simple. For you just to say, this is what I believe God's spoken to me to do. Why even write this down? Nobody ever calls you. Nobody ever says, well, what did they do and not do? No, this is between, this commitment cards to you and God. But there's something important about saying, this is what God said to me. You understand? <clears throat> Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And, and so if God wants me to do something, he'll tell me what he wants me to do. How many believe that? He said, so, well, I've never had that. This is a chance to grow in it." God, what do you want to do through me? Whatever it is. Let me tell you what happens with these kind of moments. The people we connect with. I want you to understand the power that you matter to God and what, what we do together matters here. A few years ago, I went to Vietnam. I met a name, man named Paul I. Why don't you hold this in your hand? These are the kind of people you connect you and this church and your family to. Who are your connections? The Bible says if you give a prophet a cup of cold water, you get a prophet's reward. Did you know that? Who do we connect to? Who, who are we connected with? Let me tell you about Paul I, a little man about this tall, former Buddhist. Listen, he did live in Vietnam. He's in the U.S. now, I'll tell you why. Accepted Christ. Began to, because he had witnessed to through missionaries that our partners sinned. And he became the leader of our fellowship of churches in Vietnam. This man is so powerful under the communism of South Vietnam, they hated this man. They threatened this man. He's been in prison three different times in Vietnam. The reason he's in America today is because they were going to kill him. He was going to be executed, and we lobbied through our, through, you know, our, our our embassy and our representatives and our government, and finally they said, okay, we're going to send him and his family to the United States. If he ever comes back, we'll shoot him on sight. This is what they did to Paul and I in prison because they couldn't stop him in another way. They threatened, it. put him in prison, he get out. Put him in prison, he gets out. He preaches the gospel, he builds churches. You know how they had to ordain their ministers called in ministry? They'd have to rent a bus and drive around the city and do their service on the bus so they wouldn't get caught because they couldn't do it in the building because they watch him all the time. In Vietnam, in our fellowship of churches, you can't be ordained unless you've been arrested at least once for preaching the gospel because they figure you're just not serious enough. Well, are out the... Anyway. Uh, so Paul, I, the last time... They put him in prison. So they said, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to put him in prison for the, uh, the criminally uh, or the mentally insane and criminals. They'll kill him, surely. So they put him in that prison. And after about two or three months, people started getting healed of mental illness. <laughs> started a church inside the prison. You know, he got put in prison or built a church. He built a church in the prison. So, so this is not going to work. So, what are we going to do with this man? So he'd been in prison all, almost three years now. So they put him in an all-women's prison, the only man, all-women's prison. You know what they were trying to do. The women in that prison were basically prostitutes or drug addicts. So they put Paul I in the prison, been away from his wife three years, prison of women. And we, I heard him tell a story. I'll never forget him. I was sitting at a table in Vietnam with him. And he, he was telling us this. And one of the pastors said, well, Paul, what did you do? He said, well, it was hard for the first two or three weeks, but then I got the church started. So they took him out of there and put him in another prison. They locked him in a dog cage outside in Vietnam. He never stood up for three months. This tall, this tall. He crouched in a dog cage in the heat, in the rain, the mosquitoes of Vietnam. They laid him out. He went and started a church. We said, Paul, how did you do it? I'll never forget he looked me in the eyes. And it never crossed his mind that when he looked, he said, oh, you'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he's here now because he was about to be executed. On that same trip, I went to Burma. And there in Burma... I met a man named Mel, and his last name is C-H-I-T. It's shortened, Mel Chit. Mel was 30 years old when the communists invaded Burma and took it over back in the days of the Iron Curtain in that season around our globe. And they told the missionaries, you have 30 days to leave or we'll execute you under this radical Chinese communism. And so the missionaries there gathered and prayed and said, God, what are we going to do? And here's this young man named Mel in one of their churches, a businessman doing well said, God told us, you're gonna, we're going to leave you in charge. He was, whoa. they said, no, God told us. We prayed and fasted. They brought him in, laid hands on me. and they left. We were out of Burma for 20 years. Nobody got in. Nobody heard. We never knew what happened. Communism was so radical in Burma during that time that, that, that young people would bring their parents into the city square and disembowel their parents and wash their hands in their parents' blood to prove they were loyal to communism. That was the radical communism in Burma where this 30-year-old man was left. There were 100 churches under his control when they walked off and left him there. And after 20 years, they wondered, what in the world would have happened? Is Mel alive? Are there any churches left? And when we finally got back in, we found Mel. We said, Mel, so glad you're alive. So what happened? Are there any churches left? He said, yes, there are. How many are left, Mel? He said, well, when you left me here, there were 100. We have 1,000 now. Those are the kind of people that I want to be connected to. Those are the kind of people, if all I have is a dollar, they're going to get my dollar. Those are the kind of people It's worth me sitting down at home and praying and saying, God, not what do I think I can do, and what, are they, and what do you want me to do? Because I don't know who the next male chit is going to be. And I don't know in all these countries around the world where there's a Paul I are being raised up by the hand of God. But I know that I want to be ready when they do. And you might ask yourself, and I'm close with this, well, well, Pastor, I'm not a rich person. I'm not a this person. And don't you think God knows that? And all he wants us to do is say yes to him. Have you ever heard of Dr. Paul young Cho? Built the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea. We don't hear these stories very often. He builds a church with 800,000 members. Started in a cast-off army tent from the Korean War in a slum. In Seoul, South Korea. And so, Dr. Cho reached a point. There was one time the economy totally collapsed. Let's think about America right now. <laughs> the economy collapsed. Inflation went rampant. Things got so bad in the church there. And they were in the process of building their 30,000 seat auditorium. And everything crashed. They couldn't build it. It was just sitting there. Dr. Cho lost his home. He had to move into an apartment in a high-rise apartment building, not a penthouse. If you've ever seen them there, you know what I'm talking about. Concrete walls, concrete floors. He's lost his home. The church has stood still for two years. They can't finish it. He's embarrassed. He's discouraged. He walks out on the balcony of his seventh-floor apartment. He said, God, if I could convince myself I wouldn't go to hell for doing this, I'd jump off today. I can't stand the shame anymore. I can't stand the failure anymore. I can't stand the embarrassment anymore. I can't take it, God. Just let me die. That Sunday, he went to his church. And there was a little lady who was a beggar, who was homeless, who lived on the streets of Seoul, South Korea, but they had ministered to her. She had accepted Christ. And that morning when they had taken the offering, Everything's just heavy. Pastor's so depressed. Church is stuck. The little lady gets up out of her chair. The homeless lady. She walks to the front and there she lays on the altar. Her wooden rice bowl and her chopsticks. And she said, Pastor, that's all I have. I want to help. I want to give something. That's all I have, Pastor. It's my little wooden rice bowl. My chopsticks. I don't have a home. don't have any money. But I want to give Jesus whatever I can give. I want to help my church. And when she laid that there and made that statement, the church grew silent. Fear had come on that nation. I better hold on to what I have. I don't know what's going to happen next. I better be careful. The little lady gave her all. When she did it, a man stood up, a businessman in church. He said, Pastor, I'm not going to sit here and let her give everything and me sit here. I'll buy that rice bowl back for, he gave an amount of money. And another man popped up, he said, oh no, you're not going to buy that back for her, I'm going to buy that back for her. And I want to give this amount of money. And another man stood up over here and he said, oh no, you know I'm, I'm, I'm getting in on this, I'm going to buy that rice bowl back. Before the end of that month, they'd raise the money to finish that building and do it for the glory of God. And it started with a little lady who said, I don't have much but he can have what I have. See, you never know what one person could do. You never know how much you matter to God. You never know what your words mean to someone. One act of kindness to a coworker. One prayer for your family member. One more time you try to reach out to that rebellious child. One more time you pray a prayer you've already prayed a thousand times. Because that might be the one. You see, because you matter to God. In everything you do, he sees. In every step of faith you take, God honors that. And so, Pastor, how do we do these things? It's really miraculous. We just do what I'm saying. You just take this home with you today. And you look at it every day. And you simply say, God, what do you want to do? I want you to stand with me. I want to pray with us before we go today. I want our worship team to come. I want to give you one thing for everybody here that we can do today. Pre- please listen to me closely. You know, when I look at heroes, I just shared some of my heroes with you. I'm not embarrassed to tell you. After I met Paul I, after I met Mel Chit on one trip, when I got back on the airplane to fly home, I was so overwhelmed. I have to be careful telling this, so I'll do it again. Compose myself. I was so moved by those men and their sacrifice and how God had used them. When I sat on an airplane, I started to weep. And I couldn't stop weeping. And then I thought, they're going to throw me off this plane. And I got my coat and I put it over my head. And I leaned up against the window acted like I was asleep because I could not stop crying. I cried for two hours. And I said, God, if they can serve you like that, I want you to have everything in my life. I heard a story, it's true, and this is what we can do today. I want you to take this home and pray. But what can I do right now? This is how it works. There was another poor beggar who heard singing walking through the streets of Chicago. Outside of mission, he heard people singing about Jesus. And he walked in and he sat down, beat up, lonely, cold, and tired. And they took an offering for hurting people like him. Remember when I'd the offering plate? We got buckets, but you have an offering plate. When the offering plate got to him, he laid it on the floor. And he said, God, I don't have anything, but I'll put the offering plate on the floor and I'll get in it. You can have me. So here's what I want to say to us today. I dare you. I dare you. I encourage you. I challenge you. Put the offering plate at your feet right now. Would you put one? Would you see it right there? And all I want us to do today at Calvary is say, "God, I trust you enough to give you me. I give you me today. Give you who I am. Give you what I got. Give you where I've been. Give you where I'm going. Isn't that amazing? Give you all the good and all the bad. I just give you me. So that's not a very fancy offering plate I got up here. As best I could do. But I'm going to take mine." They laugh at me because I still write my sermons on the yellow legal path. You've got to be anointed if you write them on this. So, this is going to be my offering plate. It's my offering plate. God, if you can use George Sawyer for the rest of my life, I've said it before, but I'm going to re up today. I'm going to step in this offering plate. Here I am. My weaknesses. My strengths. Everything in front of me, everything that belongs to me. You got it. Would you do that right where you are? I want you just to put your offering plate right there in front of your feet, right where you stand. I want you to step into it today. Say, God, here I am. Here I am. You matter to God. What you do matters to God. What we do matters to God. It's amazing.